Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Today I'm going to talk about marriage, but I'm excited, so pumped, super pumped, fired up about today because I am not going to be preaching by myself. I got a co-preacher. I got a tag team preacher. And before I introduce her, I'm going to not fulfill the stereotype. Uh, I saw somebody on social media post last Every time a pastor introduces his wife, always introduces her as sexy and hot. Find other adjectives. So... I was like, that's a good word. That's a good word. I received that. So let me introduce to you the intelligent, the funny, the anointed, the full of the power of God, woman of the Lord, my wife, Pastor Liz Vasquez. Amen. I mean, she is fine with all that, but if you want me to talk about the other stuff, I could do that too. Amazing cook. Man, I mean, it, it took a while, but you got there, girl. And I just, I'm all, about, I'm all about celebrating what's going on, you know. I don't live in the past, amen. Amen. So we're going to have a lot of fun today. Is that okay? We're going to need your participation. This is just a husband and wife having a conversation. We're going to have a lot of fun, so I'm not going to be running around shouting, stomping. But um, it also is going to feel real awkward if you don't support us, okay? So if I say something that, or Liz says something that helpful to you, say amen, you know, say come on, preacher. Uh, you know, all those types of encouragements are very helpful uh, to create an atmosphere. Uh, what's up, right side? You guys doing good? Yeah, we be, I've been forgetting about you recently, but I'm going to be like here all day today. I got you. I'm with you, all right? Or Liz, you could get there. Okay. Um, so it's going it's to be good. Um, Liz has got a lot to share. I'm going to kind of open this up today. Um, but she's not just here, you know, to be a pretty face. She has a lot of wisdom. And I just want to say publicly, I know I did this at the 915, but thank you. A lot of people don't see you up here. And uh, I know you wrestled that with that a lot, like your calling. Because I was preaching and you were being a mom. And you were keeping the house together. And uh, thank you for keeping it all together. But also a lot of what you experience is because of her creativity, her prayer. Uh, this church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her sacrifice. So we just want to say thank you so much. Thank you, baby. For being you. Well, we're going to have a throwback Thursday on Sunday. Show you some pictures of when we first started dating. Here we go. Here's a picture. Yes. Could we say why boy, is it so funny? <laughs> yo, your boy was on point. Yo, look good. Now, only thing I got on my look right there is that necklace. I don't know what I'm doing with that. It's like a choker. Like, what was I doing? It's like a pick, like a metal guitar pick that I put on a, I barely could play guitar, but I, I wore it to try and impress her. You got any commentary on this photo? Yeah, the only reason why his hair looks good right now is because Josh Tirado did it. Is Josh he here? He's my, where's, he ain't married in my hair. <laughs> Love you, bro. He said his hair. That was 12 years ago. Isn't it cool? It's so great to be able to lead a church with friends. We've been friends for so long. The, and the next picture, you actually did my hair in the next picture, Josh, too. It's our wedding day. Did my hair. He was, in, promise, he was in my room with a flat iron. Oh, boy. <laughs> We're going to get that hair to stand up. We got you. 
That was the only two times he did his hair, too. Only two times I did my hair like that. I can't afford Josh. Um, <laughs> somebody tell me why my suit is so big right now. I have no idea. I look like I'm 11. Like I got, like we got married in Tennessee or something like that. Like it's, if you're that, from Tennessee, I'm sorry. That was before, <laughs> that was before the thin suits were in style. That so was. So it's not even my fault. But what's with the flower on my shirt? Do they still do that? Do guys still do? Why is my flower pink though? Oh, well. Well, yeah, I couldn't grow a beard at that time. You look just the same. You, like, haven't aged, like, at all. You're like him in a time machine here. Just the hair. Well, uh, yeah, so, so why don't you tell everybody kind of how we got from the first picture to the next picture. kind of how we met, you know, got married. And just remember you're in church. <laughs> so don't be lying. No, I tell the truth. He, he's the one that doesn't the keep it real. the devil. Tell the he always says that we met at a young adults conference. It was a young adults conference. No. She was there. It was a single young adults conference, That's right? Okay, yes. Singles, okay? But she makes it sound like it was like speed dating. Like you read a verse <laughs> and then you went to somebody and it's not like that. We all went there for Jesus. But the title was single young adults conference. That's true. Okay. But I found you there. It's true. Church so. is a great place to meet somebody. <laughs> Raise your hand if you're single. Raise your hand if you're single. Keep it up. Keep it up. Look around. <laughs> this is what you're working with. If you don't like what you see, we got a 915. Anyways. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so he conveniently ended up sitting across from me one of the times that we went out to eat during the conference, conveniently. Um, we just started talking, got to know each other, and then... I think we were both at a point in our lives where we just had been in failed relationships, so we weren't trying to like just... How long were you single for before that? A couple years. Two or three? Yeah. Me too. Two or three. And so um, we were both very careful, but I kept seeing him around because he worked in ministry with my brother-in-law. One time I went to his house for a party and it was raining outside, and so I think he shared this story with you guys before, and he came out with a rain jacket. Got you, girl. <laughs> worked it did work i like sh chivalry. chivalry chivalry is not dead um and then what else we i think on valentine's day uh <laughs> i'm about, he's laughing you don't know if you want to share that story anyways i'll share it. on valentine's day i sent him a text that said um happy heart day but it was a mass text it was to everybody she said happy heart day i thought it was just for me <laughs> i didn't know it was like blast your contact list. So I wrote back, this was my way to find out she had a man without being too needy. I said, make sure you spend it with someone who makes you smile. Because I'm like, maybe she'll respond like, yeah, I'm gonna do that on Friday. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but then check out what she said. I text back, so when are you gonna come over? <laughs> you do that that was just the holy spirit guys it was the yeah. holy spirit your boy did not know how to respond i was like <laughs> it was ellipsis for like 20 minutes on the thing i would write something erase it write something erase it write something erase it I, you know i don't know what to do but would not recommend that right for 
Yeah, I mean, only if the Holy Spirit tells me. <laughs> the Holy Spirit says, a holy flirt. Yeah, to discern the holy flirts. So, yeah, so then I think he asked me to, to be his girlfriend. Yeah. I think he talked about that during the series. But I was just at a point where I felt like God hadn't spoken to me. He's like, God spoke to me. I'm like, well, God hasn't spoken to me. <laughs> And it was just because I had been in a relationship right before that where the guy told me, you're the one for me. And I'm like, okay. And so I dated him and that did not work out. So I'm like, God will talk to me when it's time. And he did. And then I asked him out and then that's it, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, it was uh, smooth sailing right after that, pretty much. And uh, let's put that marriage picture up one more time because it's really important for you to understand. This is kind of like the first point. We already started teaching if you haven't caught on yet. But for a lot of people, this is like the end. Especially if you're single. You're like, if I could just make it to that, then I may, it looks pretty. Everybody looks nice. You got the hair done. And I just, I just want to get there happily ever after. This is my ending. And I just want you to know, ask somebody who's been married and they will tell you this is not the ending. It's a beginning. Yeah. Getting married is not the goal. Having a healthy marriage is the goal. And it's not that happily ever after is a falsity. It's just that it isn't an inevitability. It's something you've got to work on and work at consistently, which is actually uh, the title of today's message. It's a work in progress. If you're taking notes, it's a work in progress, which we're going to share with you three areas that, that, we, that, we, that we feel like you need to work on in your marriage uh, when you get married that are going to help you. We're going to make it as simple as possible. And uh, these three areas come from primarily God's word, secondarily our experience, and thirdly, from the hundreds of hours of counseling that we spent with married couples who have shared a lot of these same things. But you got to first really understand, guys, that, that marriage Marriage is work. It's, 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 it's work. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your... Please say that word with me. A lot, of you, a lot of us are great at loving with our heart and our soul, but we leave out the strength side. There's a, that, that word literally means dunamis, like, like power, like, like effort. Like it, means, it means work. When Jesus Christ showed you how much he loved you, he didn't write you a poem. He didn't send you flowers. He carried a cross 0.6 miles uphill. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not uh, easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. All of those words have one thing in common. They're verbs. Love is in action. It's some type of effort you got to put into it. And, uh, and I'm not trying to discourage you. Like love is not a, marriage is not a masterpiece that is unique in this way. Love is a, ma marriage is a masterpiece that is common in this way. Every masterpiece you've ever witnessed is the product of work and a work in progress. When we went to, uh, for our anniversary to Italy, if you're Italian, props to your people. We saw all these Italian artists. The one I think that really caught my attention was Michelangelo, who spent two years sculpting David, who spent four years painting the Sistine Chapel, over a hundred years spent building the uh, St. Peter's Basilica. And every time they thought they were done or he thought it was done, he found another area that could use a touch-up, another area that could use a, a, little, a little fix. And it's beautiful because of that, because there's a connection between work and worth. I talked about it before. That's why you work eight hours and you get money, work and worth. So if, if marriage is going to be something beautiful, let's not let, it turn, turn, let, us not, let us not let it turn us off to the fact that it takes work. Because most beautiful things in this life take work work if they're going to be beautiful. So uh, here are some of the areas. Liz will kick us off at the first area that you got to work on. Yeah. So the first one is you need to work on your wounds mm. 
wounds is it's really important because it's basically like the baggage that you can carry into a relationship. It's past hurts um, that you've dealt with, whether it be with past relationships or even with family members. And the reason why it's so important is because your wounds, you can't think that your wounds only affect you. They affect other people. Uh, recently, my dog, she's got like long ears. It got wet. It started to smell. It's not like fish. She's so stinky. <laughs> Because she got an ear infection because it got wet. Your wounds affect other people because they stink. And the Bible even says that. In Psalms 38, 5 through 6, it says, My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All day I go about mourning. And so the highlighted parts are it stinks. So that means other people have to smell it and deal with it. And she's cute too. So you want to get close to her. Yeah. But then when you get close to her, like, the smell oh. hits you. Then you're like, back no, up. Exactly. Which is just a word to some of y'all who are going to try and get a relationship on your looks. Yeah. If you're cute, they might get close. But what would they smell when they get close? That's good. It's true. That's when you clap and you say amen. <laughs> okay. Cool. That's how this works. <laughs> the second thing is it festers. And so it festers just means that it gets worse if you don't take care of it. And so this actually played out in my marriage. Um, my, I grew up in a home where my father was a pastor. And back in those days when you were a pastor, you were just like, everyone is calling you at crazy hours of the night with their situations. And my dad just loves people and he loves helping people. He's still like that now. He'd give you the shirt off his back. Like he's just, that's the way he is. It posed a problem in my relationship with him, though, because my love language is quality time. That's the way I receive love is you spend time with me. He didn't have a lot of time for me. And disclaimer, I mean, I went through this whole process of my wound. And now, you know, years later, realize that my dad just shows love differently. He likes to buy gifts and he acts of services love language. He'll show up to my house when the grass is high and cut it. Or he sees my car dirty. He's like, let me clean your car. That's just the way he shows up. But as a child, I didn't understand that, moving all the way into my marriage. And so I just thought, my dad, he cares enough about me to provide for me, but he doesn't really love me. And I didn't even realize that I felt that way until I got married. And so three years into our marriage, my husband got a job at a church where it was a huge church, with like 4,000 member church. The youth was like 300 youth. Prior to that, my largest church I'd ever worked at was like 150 people. And so now the youth group is twice as large as the biggest church I'd ever been at. And so now I got to manage and love all these people and my wife's pregnant. And I failed in a lot of areas, but I was kind of getting into the rhythm. And spending time with you was one of the times that I failed. Yeah, so I mean, it wasn't even like, I wouldn't say, like, it was just like a weekend. And so he literally had just gotten off the phone with a student who was, had just... In person. Yeah, I'm sorry, in person, who had uh, just attempted to commit suicide. My first day on the job. Yeah. They're like, welcome, here's your office. He'd like to talk to you. He about uh, killed himself this week. And I'm just like... <laughs> and then as soon as that's over, I get this call. Yeah, and the reason why we even, like, smile or laugh about it, because he actually goes to this church now, and he's good now. So he's good you, now. Yeah. He made it, y'all. Yeah, he made it. <laughs> he made it. <laughs> but anyway, so he literally was, like talking to him and then I call him up and I'm at home pregnant and I'm all upset because I started to feel like he doesn't love me and he's putting his job over me 
only because that's what my dad did. And he totally wasn't doing it. He was only a weekend. I needed to be understanding that he just got this job and it's going to take some time for him to get the rhythm of it. And I just played this. I just kept thinking in my head. I remember calling him and saying, you don't love me. You don't care. All you care about is your job right now. I'm at home pregnant and just throwing all this stuff at him. And I was playing this story in my mind. I was making myself believe that he didn't love and care about me. And that's what we do when we have wounds that we're dealing with that we have not healed from or taken care of. And so for you, for me, it was, it was that. But for you, maybe it was a past relationship where someone was unfaithful to you. They made a commitment to you and they were unfaithful. And, you know, it's your husband telling you, baby, I'm going to, you know, be late from, from work. And automatically you're like, oh, he's cheating on me. That's it. He's and cheating then, on me. And then you walk into the door and then you're faced with this and you're like, I feel like this isn't about me. You've been there? Like that's a wound. That's, a, that's how I felt when I came home that day. It's like, I know I'm not perfect, but there's something deeper. Exactly. And so it's really important that you understand that you got to deal with those wounds. So if you're single, this is a great opportunity to yes. start working on that now. If you're married, it's not too late. Start, you know, do whatever you have to do to work on it now. Actually, in the Bible, it says in James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer can accomplish much. And the best way you can combat this, I mean, it says here, you be healed and confess your sins. The best way to combat that is to have two conversations, horizontal conversations. So if you're married, let your spouse know, like, I've realized I have this issue and it has nothing to do with you and apologize. I'm sorry that I came at you this way. And I give you access to let me know if... I'm getting crazy for no reason. And if it's my hurt speaking again, give them access to be able to help you. And then also get in a small group if you're not already now. So good. I, there, most of the groups are probably like on week, what, four now? I mean, at this point, just be open to, to the people in your small group. We have a small group and I'm open to the girls in the small group. I'm like, hey, I have this issue. I am not patient with my kids. I need help with that. And we pray and that really helps. And then if you feel like it's a more serious issue, then go to counseling. And then also the next conversation you need to have is vertically with your heavenly father. Just every day, give it up to God and say, God, I have this issue. I have this hurt and I need to get past this. It's like if you ever hugged somebody or patted somebody on the back who has a sunburn and then they get mad at you, but you had no idea. You ever had been in that situation? I went up to a boy of mine. I'm like, what's up, man? Good to see you. He's all like, ah, my back is burned, man. What are you doing? I'm like, showing you love. <laughs> like, if you were sensitive, you should have communicated in advance the areas you were sensitive in. And maybe I wouldn't have touched the sensitive area if you'd have communicated to me in advance that somebody had burned you. If you're burned, let me know that you're burned and I won't touch that burn, but I cannot be made to guess about your burn. And secondly, it's not my job to make sure you're healed. You need to put some aloe vera on if you Puerto Rican Vicks on, okay? If, if you're white, SPF, all right? You need to put something on some spiritual protection formation. Um, you need to, I'll preach on sunblock. Um, you got to make sure, this is your role if you're hurt, you got to communicate and you got to heal. Because the other person can't do that for you, all right? Because that's how you're going to keep your promise, you know, by the way. The best way you're going to keep your promise is by reviewing your past. If I go in for a bank loan, the bank doesn't care that I promised to pay it back. They're going to want to know one thing about me. They're going to say, let me see your credit. Because I need to know if you have a history of faithfulness. I need to know if you have a history. I need to know your credit. And if you have good credit, then I believe that you're going to make it 
in this loan. Now, I'm not saying if you've got bad credit or a bad history that God can't use you. I'm saying if you've got bad credit, you got to be aware of your credit and work on your history so that you can be able to make that promise when you say, I do forever. The next thing the bank's going to ask you is, okay, now that I know your history, do you have a plan for that money? Well, I, just, I promise I'll pay it back. Uh, what's your plan? Well, my plan is to be true on my promise. <laughs> That's not a plan, bro. You know, I need to hear a plan, which is why the next thing you got to do is be intentional. Be intentional. I think a lot of people think that, you know, love just happens because the way you fell in love, it just happened. Like, do you remember that when you fell in love with the person you fell in love with? Like, it just happened. Like, maybe your story was like at a Starbucks somewhere. Like, your name is Joseph. So you went to the front and you said, you know, I'll get a, a decaf, two sugars for Joe. And you walk away and unbeknownst to you, Joanne walks in. She goes up to the counter and says, I'll take a decaf, two sugars for Joe. And then she walks away and you're on your phone and all of a sudden the barista says, I got a decaf, two sugars for Joe. And you both make your way to the counter, your hands touching, you're like, oh, Joe, Joe, decaf, decaf, sugar, sugar, two, two. It's like, do you want to get married in April or June? Like, and it just happens, but that's not the way it continues. Raise your hand if you ever had a car run out of gas on you. Because to be honest, you're in church right now, come on. Happened to me one time. It happened to me one time. And when it happened, it's because it was my fault. I didn't know how cars worked. I was late for my job, and so I put the key in the ignition. I turned the key. And when I turned it, the car started. And I thought that because I had enough fuel to get it started, I'd have enough fuel to get me there. The same energy that it required to get started is not the same energy that it's going to take to keep it going. I hope you know that. Okay, the only thing that will move you without energy is gravity. In other words, the only direction you can go in without trying. In other words, the only action that you can take without intentionality is falling. That's so good. Which is why we call it falling in love. Because I didn't even try. It just happened. I just, I just fell. Well, write this down if you're taking notes. It takes a pulse to fall in love, but it takes a plan to stay in love. You better have a plan. Because let me tell you this. If you could fall in love, you could fall out. And I know the band is getting ready to come out. Ben, you got to give me like seven more minutes, all right? <laughs> I was in that counter. We got for preaching. Seven more minutes. And this is what happened in our marriage. One of the darkest moments that I can remember was we were in New York for a Hillsong conference. And um, we got into an argument, dumbest argument. I'll save you all the details. But all I remember is at that moment, we had eight years married. I didn't, I'm not saying I was filing for divorce. Okay, so don't hear me say that. But, but I felt like for the first time, because she was being so unreasonable and I was being so stubborn and we were, the fight was just so intense that I just felt like, you know what, for the first time in my life, in eight years of being married, I could visualize my life without Liz. I had never felt that way before. I didn't say I wanted a divorce. I'm just saying for the first time in my life, I thought, if you go, I'm okay. I don't need you. Like, I'm all right. Like, I can do this by myself. And, and that's okay if I'm depending on God, but that wasn't where that was coming from. That was coming from a place of, I, I can't stand you right now. And I got scared when that happened. Now, some of you guys are like, oh, that's a little thing. I wasn't unfaithful or anything like that. But I think it's the little things that become big things. Like nobody just cheats on their wife on Monday out of nothing on Sunday. There's the little things that we didn't address when they were little that evolve into big things. And so I knew I had to address it right away. So I went home and did the only thing I knew how to do. I started serving her. That was my plan. I was like, I'm going to serve you until I get the feelings of love back. I had lost the feelings of love for my wife. 
I woke up to next to somebody who I was angry at every day. And so every day when I got angry, I went and I grabbed. So we have roles. Like she washes the dishes. I throw out the trash. She cooks. I fix things that are broken and kill bugs. And so for, <laughs> for a whole three weeks, I did the dishes. I cooked when I, when I could. And I didn't want to poison anybody. But I cooked. I, I mopped. I brushed. I just did all the chores around the house that I could in the effort to get the feelings of love back. And when, I, and, when I, and when it finally did, I just kept serving. I just kept serving. And one day in the shower, she looks at me and she goes, I just want you to know I've noticed all the work that you're doing. She said, and I'm sorry about New York. A month later, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said that because I've been going on, let me tell you. And I opened up and we reconciled. And she said, oh, my God, is that what you've been doing, all those things? I'm like, yes. She's like, are you going to continue doing those things? I was like, no. <laughs> I should have never said anything. <laughs> That's like break in case of emergency, break glass in case of emergency. It done been broken. That's it. It's over. It's one time. And we, and we were restored. Yeah, but that was my plan. You know, I had, I had to do it. Listen, emotion creates emotion. You can't wait to feel love to, to do an act of love. You got to move. Hear me. Tell your neighbor this. Feelings follow. Tell them feelings follow. I might not feel like helping you. I'm going to help you. The feeling will come after the action. Yeah. Feelings follow. Why don't you share with them some of the intentional things that we do? So for us to be intentional in our marriage, the work that we do is uh, just date night every week. And every week. Every week, like faithfully. Without fail. Um, and so, so for some of you, you might think, well, that's difficult. I have kids. Well, we have kids too. I yeah. mean, it's so yeah. important that you do that. You invest money in other things. Invest money in a babysitter. Yeah. And, and, you, and it doesn't Story. have to be expensive dates. It could just be Netflix and chill. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like. With your wife and your husband. Exactly. <laughs> this is a marriage seminar. If you're on a date, just Netflix. <laughs> just. What other people in the room? In public. Anyway. <laughs> At your local Starbucks. And so if now not, what if you can't afford, yes, if you can't, if you afford, can't afford date night, you can't afford date night in the sense of like babysitters and put your kids to bed early. Like, early. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking this morning too, when we were preparing for this, I'm like, you know what I would do? I would set the clocks like an we're hour back. back. They don't know. They can barely tell time now. Put them people to bed at 4 p.m. 4 p.m. <laughs> like, why is it so bright outside? It's, it's so the moon. Bright. Shut up. Go to bed, mom and daddy, you need a, some time alone. <laughs> I'm serious though, whatever you have to do, at least once a week, that's that time when you get to like bond, like during yes. date night, we get to really talk about what's like bothering us yep. during the week. Maybe some, not so much with each other, but what's going on. How can I help you? Is there anything I'm doing to make your life How harder? How have you changed? What's new? Because yeah. I think one of the greatest misconceptions is that the person you married is the same person you're with right now. And there's an evolution that takes place. There's a growth. So I get to ask her again, tell me about you. What are you into now? Yeah, so that's super important. And then it's also, I mean, your kids need to know that they are not first priority yes. in your you lives. No, they're number three. So it's God, my spouse, and then them. We tell them that. Yeah. We're like, what number are you? <laughs> they're like, three. I'm like, that's right. First God, then mommy, I then you. I promise we love our kids. promise we, we do. love we them. Love but the best thing I can do for my son is teach him how to take care of a woman. Yeah. He's not going to be healthy if he grows up in a home that's fractured. He's not going to be a healthy person if he grows up in a home where there's dysfunction and yelling and shouting. He needs a model, so he needs to know. First God, 
then, then, my, then my wife, and then you guys. Yeah, and, another, and why? Why? Straight up, why? Oh, because they're going to leave. And then it's just you two. So they're they're gonna... all cute now. <laughs> they will leave you. For all the things you did for them. 15 years from now, gone. And it's going to be me and a stranger if we didn't have date night. It's called empty nest syndrome. So we spend more time with our kids than each other. Now I don't know you. Now the kids are there. The thing that was binding us together was them. Now that there's no more soccer practice, there's no more love. Be careful. That's good. Yeah. And then the other thing is um, there's the five love languages. I'm not going to get into detail of what that is, but it, there's basically a book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. JJ actually like introduced me to the five love languages on like our second date. Like he was prepared. It's not planned. <laughs> Um, asking me like what my love language is. So it's quality time, physical touch, acts of service, words of affirmation. She's like, I don't have a copy. I was like, <laughs> and gifts. <laughs> and so my love language is quality time. Like I shared about the issue that I have with my dad because yeah. he wasn't giving me a lot of quality time. But you know, you need to speak your spouse's love language. So that maybe doesn't come naturally to him. And he needs to know like, I need a quality time. Yeah. And his uh, love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. And so I need to make sure. <laughs> I need to make sure I tell him how awesome he is and I need to touch him. But if I'm real, I, <laughs> I feel like that love language should be changed to just sex. It's not physical touch, it's sex. That's what it is. And, but talking about that, it's so important that you have sex too, y'all. Like, you need to. And if you got to schedule it, I mean, people think that we're weird. I mean, we make, you got to, like, talk about this. Like, how many times per week? Like, I'm just being for real. Like, this is what we do. Like, and, and make sure lot, it happens. And there's a lot of people who are like, that's weird. That's, and we also have a lot of teenagers here in the audience. But it's, when you get married, these things you want to think about. Because, uh, like, well, that's not romantic enough. That's not spontaneous enough. Okay. But if you were going to have an affair, you'd schedule that. You, you would make the reservation. You would clear the calendar. You would make sure that the work was done at the office or there was nothing. You'd put your phone on do not disturb. You'd, you'd schedule that. Yeah. And so you got to schedule this to see with your with Yeah, your take, take that priority in your, in your marriage. Make yeah. sure you do it. And then for those of you who maybe like don't feel like doing it, I say make it till you feel it. <laughs> hey. You never come out of there saying, never. oh, that was a waste of time. Never. <laughs> Next point. All right, so... And we're running out of time. Worship team, you can come out now. Um, you got to work on your wounds. You got to work on being intentional. And here's the last thing. You got to work on forgiving. Because forgiveness takes work. It takes work. I used to think forgiveness was a feeling. Like you forgive somebody. And then when, you, when they say, I'm sorry. And you say, I forgive you. Then like all the feelings of restoration return. And like, you, you know, you don't even think about what they did anymore. But one time, Liz and I was at that. But in Amer By the way, you might feel that way when you date, but it's different when you marry. Because you've invested more, every error weighs more. Like a stock. Like if you invest $5 into a stock and that stock drops 50%, you, lose tough, you lost 250 Big deal. But if you invested 5000 and that, that stock drops 50%, all, now all of a sudden you lost 2500 When you marry with someone, you invest so much more and the littlest percentage drops in affection and attention means so much more because you've invested so much more. And so when we were married, uh, we were at, uh, in the car. And yes, yeah, yeah. I had the boys in the backseat in their car seat strapped. They were already in a bad mood, the kids. And uh, Liz was like, I need to run into Joanne's fabrics real quick. 
She said, I'm going to be in and out. <laughs> Fellas, let me help you out real quick. <laughs> there are some stores your wife will be in and out of, okay? 7-Eleven. Um, <laughs> uh, and like, that's about it. <laughs> but Joanne's Fabrics is definitely not one of those places. And so she, she said, I'll be right back 45 minutes later I'm trying to keep the kids in the back from crying I'm driving around singing them songs I'm showing them shows on my net they're crying I'm crying everybody's crying she comes out of the store as happy as I could be I'm just like what took so long she said well what happened was there was a I was like, so you picked a sale over me? You picked a sale over me? And, and, and she expressed herself, she explained herself, she apologized, she said sorry, but is there any married person who can relate to this? I said, I forgive you. But after I said forgive you, that did not stop the internal conversation that was going on. Our argument had ended, but the argument in my mind was still real. And I knew that the Jesus thing to do was not to bring it up again, but what do I do? And I'm not even lying, till this day, if I drive by a Joanne's Fabrics, <laughs> my blood pressure rises just thinking about it. And some people might think, well, if you still feel a certain type of way, maybe you still feel that way because you haven't forgiven. But I still feel that way, not because I'm still bitter. Please understand this. This will set you free on how to forgive people. I still feel that way because I still remember. And I can't help what I remember. I think we put forgiveness on the pedestal of like how Christ forgave us. Like when Christ forgave you, he forgave you and forgot. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he washes away your sins. Well, guess what? I'm not God. He's omnipotent. He has the power, all power. And you know one of the things he has the power to do? He has the power to forget. Not human beings. We don't. So as long as I can remember what she did, when I remember, that remembrance is going to elicit a feeling. So I can't control what I remember, and I can't control how I feel about what I remember. But catch this, I can control what I do with how I feel. And here's what you need to know. Here's the takeaway. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. I don't feel like forgiving you and I don't feel like I'm over it but I'm gonna decide to move on it's not changing what happened it's changing the consequence of what happened so if this is my brain and Liz go ahead get real quick good she pounds my brain <laughs> okay with with trauma with with the, with something with an offense I'm sorry for whatever I did to you that was pretty intense um, let me just show this to you real quick this is actually the human brain on offense um, I was gonna say the Bible says because I'm a preacher and I know nothing about brains, so I say the Bible, but scientists say that when you get offended, the Bible actually says it too, I'll tell you that in a second, that when you get offended, there is a, a neural pathway that gets formed. That and, and every time you see something that reminds you of what you got hurt, the pathway goes off again. And it's like you're back there in that moment. Now, what you're gonna understand is when you get saved, this dent doesn't go away. Your brain does not get formed anew. Romans 12, 2, though, gives us a great solution. 
It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word renewing means renovation. When we were renovating our kitchen, there was a wall we wanted to take down, but we couldn't because there was pipes in it. So my dad, who's a contractor, said, hey, I can't take it down, but here's what I can do. I can build a counter around it. I can add a little sign on front of it. He renovated it, not by removing it, but by repurposing it. So, so while he said, well, I can't get rid of it, but I can use it for something different. So, so when you give your pain to God, listen, he doesn't remove the pain, but what he does is he works around it. He works around the pain and he adds purpose to the pain. So what looked like a dis has now become a dish. And now instead of attacking my wife with the pain that she caused me, now I can serve her through the pain and serve our relationship. How does that look like practically? The next time I walk by a Joanne's Fabrics, I'm not gonna go find her and fight. The next time I walk by a Joanne's Fabrics and I feel the pain, I'm gonna remember how important it is to communicate with my wife. Your dad didn't spend any time with you. Repurpose that pain. When you have kids, let that pain be a reminder of how you're gonna treat your kids. You can't remove pain, but you can repurpose it. You can renovate it. You can build around it to serve the people you love instead of hurting the people you love. So you don't forget whenever someone's offended you, you also don't automatically just trust. You can't think that um, if you've offended somebody that all of a sudden they're automatically gonna trust you. Or you can't think that if you've forgiven someone that, and because you don't trust them that, that you haven't really forgiven them. That doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. It just means they need to be trustworthy again. That's why and they call it trustworthy. That's why they call it trustworthy because you need to prove that you are trustworthy. In Matthew 3.8 it says, so produce fruit that is consistent with repentance demonstrating new behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sin. And so that actually happened in our marriage. I know last week, JJ shared with all of you guys a struggle, and I just wanna say I'm so proud of you, babe, for sharing that with us, because I know how vulnerable that is. You know, that was the first time that he shared that publicly, and it's not easy to say, hey, you know, I had this issue, but he did that because he wanted to see you guys be set free from whatever situations that you're going through, whether it's that situation or not. And so he, we were just newly married and I found out that he was looking at pornography. He actually confessed it to me. And I remember being so broken because I felt like for me, that was like him being unfaithful to me for him to you know, look at another woman. And I remember when that happened, he kept telling me, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm like, I forgive you, but that doesn't mean that I just automatically trust you. you you have to prove to me that you're worthy of my trust again. You broke my trust, we made a vow. And so I remember him telling me like, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to build that trust again, like the Bible says, I'm gonna prove it to you. And so I remember he got, um, he downloaded some apps on his phone and his laptop and on all of his devices. He was reading books, he went to conferences and he just made it a point to, to show me that he was proving me that he was trustworthy again. And I can say without a shadow of doubt that I 100% trust him now. And it took time, yeah. It took time and I get so emotional about it, not because I'm dealing with it because I trust him now, but I get emotional because I think about all of you who are here today and who have that situation within your marriage, you know, maybe 
somebody, even if it was somebody in your past, you have a wound that you haven't dealt with or your spouse did something to break your trust. You gotta know that God, God restores your relationship. He could do it. A lot of work, you know, it wasn't easy. I downloaded like three different apps. They, I couldn't even search the internet for a long time because like flags would have gone like everything that I searched. Like it didn't matter what I searched, I couldn't pick up anything. One time I was trying to do a study on Jesus' sandals. And I was like, Jesus' thong sandals. It was like, ant blocked. I was like, dang it. It's like, babe, you know. <laughs> we make fun of it now because it's awkward to talk about it and be so vulnerable with you guys. But God did it. He restored it in our marriage, which is the last thing we want to share with you guys as we close today, that, you know, it takes one person to forgive, but it takes two people to reconcile. And maybe you've been putting all the effort into this relationship and it's been one-sided. Go as long as you can. Continue. Hold on. Pour in. Um, it's not gonna work. It worked because I gave 100% in proving my trust and she gave 100% in receiving that trust. I had to put myself, I had to be 100% access to her, my phone. She had to know the password on my phone, she had all those things. And so if that's you and you're on the other side of this, you're the offender, just know life's not gonna be the same after that. You're gonna have to give her 100% access and not get offended by it because it's not the same. Forgiveness doesn't mean automatic rebuilding of trust. You gotta work on that, which is you're worthy of it. Reconciliation though, that takes two people and so as Liz and I were praying, we were just envisioning the couples who are at church today, um, maybe on the verge of divorce or, or breaking up or on the end of it or tail end of it. And I just want to say in advance, if anybody here has been divorced, we love you and you know you've been in our church long enough to know that there is no shame in that, that it's happened, it's in the past, and God has got a new plan for you. Um, and so I've got a lot of close friends who are, who've lived through that. But I do want to blow up one lie if I can. And this is what you need to receive, whether you've been divorced or whether you're single, whether you're married or getting married or engaged. Here's the lie you got to break up, that it didn't work out because you married the wrong person. Here's what's a better phrase to say. It wasn't that he was the wrong person. It's that there were two people who made bad choices. And here's why that's important. Because if you believe in this theology of the wrong person, then what's to keep the next person from also falling into that category? When they do something that rubs you the wrong way, irritates you, hurts you, right? It's, it, it, you gotta just understand. You know how, if you're, getting, if you're married, let me give you a surefire way of, of you letting you know this is the right person for you. And it, 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 go, go into, you might have to do some digging, go into your closet, find your marriage license, all right? If on that marriage license, your name is there, and that person's name is there, you married the right person. That's hard to receive for a lot of people because of the things we've been through. But it's about the choices we make with that person. Now they gotta make some choices too. You can't make all the choices by yourself. And there's some people, you didn't give up. You just, there was, that person wasn't willing to make the choices. Fine, no judgment, no shame. But we gotta get rid of that mentality and understand that it's a choice. It was a choice that ended it and it is a choice that can build and rebuild a choice. Which is the beauty of the gospel message. Jesus presented us with a choice. And there's a choice laid before you today. That choice is Christ. When Christ is at the center of your singleness, you can be single successfully. When Christ is at the center of your marriage, you can be married successfully. When Christ is at the center of your engagement, you can be engaged successfully. When Christ is at the center. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know we extended. But if you're here today and you want to put Christ at the center of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that on three. If that's you, I want you to raise your right hand to the sky saying, Jesus, I need you. Come live inside my heart. 
Jesus, I need you. Restore my life. If that's you, when I say three, raise your right hand. I need you, Jesus. Be the center of my life. I give it to you today. I want to start fresh and start over. One, two, three. Right now, raise your hand if that's you. Come on, I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see it. 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 Thank you for putting it up and letting God know. Why don't you put your hand down? Church, let's all pray this prayer together. If you raise your hand, pray this prayer. If you didn't, let's support them. Worship team, let's support them. Father God, I give you my life. I give you my pain. I give you my past. Forgive me of my sin. Today, I start new. Renew me. Renovate me. I belong to you. Heal my pain. I'm intentional. I forgive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.